you guys all know where I'm coming from. You're watching the movie and you get reminded of another movie. Now, this is a, uh, a cinema geek, a cinema dork, a cinema nerd. This is something that happens a lot. And when you're watching movies by yourself for a podcast like this one, I'm Peter A. DeLuca, and this is the 31 Days of Dread. We're at day 27. We're talking to prophecy. And you know, it, when you watch as much, as many movies as I do, it is hard to make your way through one because we're preoccupied with other movies in our head. So you stop, you take a deep breath, you sit down to record, and now we're here. Everyone, I will be right back. Okay, so what the heck am I talking about? Look, this uh, prophecy, we're, we're, we're rounding out our uh, great movie, same title, Block. Yesterday's day 26 was another movie called The Prophecy about a giant mutant grizzly bear. I said it. Uh, <laughs> schlock movie uh, directed by John Frankenheimer. Wonderful cast, okay? And uh, I completely love that movie. Uh, I think I'm the only person on earth that will uh, that will back the 1977 prophecy. And right here, right now, we're talking uh, the 1995 prophecy. And before we go any further, look, if you can, subscribe, support, uh, leave a comment, uh, especially on iTunes, if, if you're listening on iTunes. Uh, if you're on Spotify, spread the word on Spotify just because I, uh, Spotify's reach is, is growing for us. And I think more and more people are hitting uh, podcasting on Spotify as a resource, you know, as a distribution channel as opposed to a, um, I guess, recording channel, I'll say. Okay. But yeah, yeah. So I'm watching a different movie than this movie. This movie is a biblical action horror movie. Not so, you know what, I, I take away the action. It's a biblical thriller. And and there's there's a couple different ways you can pair this movie off, uh, which is this whole year's theme. I want you to work in pairs. I just wanted to put movies together that normally me people would not associate as together. But I was watching The Highlander. And it, for some reason, like lightning struck my brain one day. Uh, and, you know, like just recently, and it, it was kind of just like one of those things where, um, you know, like I needed a little bit of a palate cleanser. I really did because watching as much horror as I do for the 31 Days of Dread, it kind of messes with you. Now, when I first started that in 2017, uh, it really messed with me, and it did carry over to last year, 2018. This year, I'm, I'm far less sensitized, but I also feel like I am doing uh, a higher quality of film this year than previous years because the last two years, I like working in the oddball movies, like you know, like really the ones that are kind of shot uh, home video style, uh, you know, over a weekend. You know, that magically end up on Amazon Prime and Netflix or another streaming service. But, you know, I started watching Highlander. I started researching Gregory Wyden. He's the writer of Highlander. He's also the writer-director of this movie. And essentially, uh, like, did, did he direct uh, Highlander? He, he didn't direct Highlander. He, he did the script. He sold it while he was in film school. 
And, you know, to continue, he, the only other two movies he's, that's notable in his career is Backdraft and, and The Prophecy. And this is somewhat of a theme of our next few movies. Because tomorrow we're doing The Reanimator and Bride of the Reanimator. And one of the points with these movies is that these are nearly career movies. Meaning, if these people, I really feel like if these people had the resources, especially with tomorrow's Stuart Gordon, who directed Reanimator, if they had the resources of, said, like a Steven Spielberg, they would go on the run of, um, like, impactful, memorable movies, similar to, to Spielberg. But these guys are career like C-level, D-level movie guys. And they make one or two movies that just resonate. And they kind of break into what you would call the mainstream. Now, this movie uh, never quite did that. But it was always considered good. And in my opinion, it was popular. Uh, and there's a class of movie that uh, this 1995 prophecy belongs to. We won't get to the plot real quick. Okay, because it, it, you, it's important to contextually understand some of the contemporaries of this uh, same style, the style of the mid '90s. You know, going into '98, uh, it kind of stops at '99. But earlier this month, we did the Crow, the 1994 Crow. One year before this, dark, brooding. Uh, you know, uh, story-wise, desperate, and it's, you know, again, low-budget, quickly shot. We have Dark City, 1998. You can say the same things about Dark City that you can say about the prophecy and the crow, just in the look, the feel, some of the story, and and how it's made, and the budget. And then it kind of rounds out again in 1998, even though I remember this movie coming out in 99. But it's, I guess it's 98. It's Blade. And Blade is uh, blurs those lines a little bit more because it's a little bit bigger of a movie and it has a bigger cast. Now, these movies deserve to be uh, like, a, like a quad feature because it's your definition of like black leather <laughs> or like black dark, you know, people wearing black, the protagonist wearing black. Uh, it's it's a definition of that. It's a definition of low budget filmmaking. It's a it's a definition of big idea, quick shoots, and you know each one of those movies I just named have such a magnificent, such a large idea. They're all epics in their own right, and you know the prophecy is is kind of the one that that slips by because I would say a little bit at, uh, nowadays, um, Dark City, which is often compared to The Matrix. Uh, you know, like the uh, Dark City is such a good movie. It's Dark City's there and this movie's there. So the plot of this movie, it, it's pretty intricate. Uh, the plot of this movie is as deep as um, the cast. Now, I I may have attempted to watch this movie a few times back in the VHS days. And I remember renting it a few times. I, I say this often and I never could make my way through the movie for whatever reason. And this movie's billed as a Christopher Walken movie. And it's kind of not. You know, Christopher Walken definitely has screen time, but post-pulp fiction, 
you know, Christopher, like it be, I think it became a Christopher Walken build movie. I, I would have to research because I, I, I'm not convinced that this was originally built as a Christopher Walken movie because we have Ilias Costas who takes over the entire third act. We have Viggo Mortensen who pops in at the end. He plays the devil. We have Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz is like the first half of this movie. It's more like an Eric Stoltz, Christopher Walken double bill. We have a main, the plumber, who, you know, became relevant after. This movie stacked. Like, the people involved in this movie, it's, it's uh, hypnotizing. We also have Adam Goldberg, you know, later to show up in Saving Private Ryan. Other movies, Adam Goldberg uh, is the minion of Gabriel, who is played by Christopher Walken. Uh, commit suicide. Gabriel keeps him alive. It's amazing. It's it's you know, and it's he's got a prominent role in this movie. This movie runs deep. I I view this movie as like one of those scripts a um like an agent gets. An agent gets a hold of the script, and this is his client list. He goes right through his client list, and everyone ends up in this movie, and they shoot it for about three weekends or three weeks. Box office for this movie, according to the wiki, sixteen point uh, one million. You know that's that's dismal. I mean, comparatively speaking, the can we can we look up the crow, crows the crows box office was fifty million. You know, but that that had like a lot of tragedy and anticipation around it. Uh, Dark City, twenty seven point two million. And uh, let's let's check out. Can can we see Blade? We can't see Blade right now. Okay. Yeah, but but we all know Blade did very well. So the essential plot of this movie, it's very similar to Schwarzenegger's End of Days. And you could pair these two, those two movies together. You can pair End of Days and this movie together. But it's essentially uh, it's the uh, fallen angel Gabriel. He is trying to uh, incite the apocalypse, the End of Days. Uh, and he needs a couple souls. And Eric Stoltz has one of the souls, and he puts it into a little girl, and now it becomes a race of dissecting, you know, through exposition and research, because we need those characters, we need a research character, to get this uh, uh, South American girl. You know, and this movie takes place, like, it's a desert movie, it's a lot like Legion, if you guys remember Legion. Uh, it's 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 a desert biblical movie, and there's uh, I keep wanting to say it, but there's South Americans, there's Mexicans, there's New Mexicans, but anyway, Arizonians, I guess you could say. Uh, but anyway, and and Eric Stoltz puts his soul into a little girl, and then it becomes a race to exercise the soul, so Gabriel cannot get to the soul, and along the way. You know, this movie has such a good twist, such a, you know, because the devil shows up. And it's, it's Viggo Mortensen from Lord of the Rings, uh, History of Violence. This guy can act. This guy's awesome. Uh, Crimson Tide, is it? Yeah, Crimson Tide, Viggo Mortensen. I know your career, bro. And playing the devil, he he's not happy. He's not happy because the war between heaven and hell that Gabriel's trying to trigger is of his uh, own uh, 
like revenge. It's it's one of his own flaws, and because of that, it's it's unbalanced and it's not approved by the devil. He's doing it for the wrong reasons. Devil kills Gabriel. Gabriel gets dragged back to hell, and and so we we kind of kick off this film franchise because you know we 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 have sequels to this all straight to video. We also have, uh, you know, like a little bit of a of a hanging chad, like a um, extended ending where Viggo Mortensen, the devil, uh, offers to take um, our two main characters, the Elias Kosas and the main the plumber, uh, to hell with him. Because earlier in the movie, Viggo Mortensen, the devil, describes hell as uh, living but being in the absence of God. That's hell. Hell's not this like Hellraiser type thing, which I thought was great. And he offers, and they they refuse because you know this is a movie about humanity. We get it. And then we kick off this film franchise, and and let let let's go through a little bit of how impactful, just what I described to you is. We have the prophecy too, uh, who uh, Christopher Walken is in that movie as well, nineteen ninety eight. We have the prophecy, the ascent, two thousand, and then we have uh, like a year of it. We have the prophecy, uprising, and the prophecy, forsaken, uh, both two thousand and five. You know, and uh, it's it spun off four movies, uh, same as Highland, like you know, as impactful as Highland Highlander is. People just literally love the hell out of that movie. They love Highlander. Who are we to argue? You know, so Gre- Gregory Wyden, you know, like kind of early in, in his life, early in, in his career within a like a nine-year period. Highlander, 1986, this movie, 1995. Uh, Highlander, a lot of credit can go to that movie. Animated series, live two, maybe two live-action series. I think five sequels, you know, three of them theatrically. I think they were all theatrical. Releases because I remember when Highlander Endgame came out. There, it's a lot, man. You know, like I, I like this guy. I like that he, uh, just put some ideas out there, got them made, and they're just small enough and big enough, like a right combination. And you know, like could could this guy have been like a George Lucas with some resources? Uh, yeah, uh, a hundred percent. And I think that's an interesting point when we even talk about our next two films, which is going to be the Reanimator bucket list movie there, and Bride of the uh, Bride of the Reanimator, which I knew nothing about before I saw that. And uh, people, this this movie's out there. It's available on Amazon Prime, where I think it stars. But you you can get you can get you can subscribe to stars through uh, Amazon Prime. But honest, honestly, this is a uh, if it's a must see movie if you're interested in you know what '90s sci-fi horror, big budget, like somewhat thriller uh, movies were all about. Because this movie has a lot of attitude from from the '90s and is perfectly placed in the middle. It's placed in 95 for, I, I think, for a reason. And if you're interested in, um, you know, still changing scenery, 
uh, having clear acts and then having the story move. Uh, th- this is a movie because, you know, it does become a desert movie. It does become, a, a, you know, a lot of driving. There's roads, you know, there's different environments still within a really low budget. Uh, this movie, in my eyes, is it's a triumph. It's a success of ideas. It's a success of execution. And it still it still holds up today. And we have some, some of, even today's, some of our best actors are in this movie. Uh, some of them got like a little bit of a resurgence, which is great. But, uh, you know, throughout the years. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a watch. So, hey, everyone, for the 31 Days of Dread, day 27... This is The Prophecy 1995, rounding out our same title, Great Movie Block. And tomorrow, day 28 and 29, we're dealing with The Bride. And we're dealing we're dealing with The Reanimator, directed by Stuart Gordon. And we're dealing with The Bride of The Reanimator, directed by someone I cannot name right now. I love you, goodbye, and let's rock and roll.